impressions of uh you look like you already have something <laughs> so i won't even ask a question i'll just let you go ahead <laughs> it's hard for me to put into words when i'm speaking to you i was able to do it quite well with steven steven and nancy okay well no it's not about that it's about you were saying about us having passion yes, more more specifically towards praise and worship well yeah well that's one of them Right. That that's that's where I took my conversation with them too. Oh, okay. Um I think people pray they worship God in different ways. They do. And I think I'm the I'm the this is all on me. This is all about how mm-hmm. I do it and how I perceive how I'm doing it with God. Mm-hmm. I send I'm gonna make it couple of statements and they're probably not going to make sense to some of you. I send the songs. Mm-hmm. I have a group. I have right. six of them. There's six of them plus me that I send them to. So when I'm praising and I'm worshiping, in my head and in my heart, even though I might not be have my hands raised and have a smile on my face or tears down my cheeks, I'm honoring God because I'm helping get his word to six other people. And so I know sometimes, most of the time in the last few years, I've sat down when praise and worship is because I'm writing the songs down, I'm singing them to them, I'm singing to, to God, and I'm singing the songs, and I'm really understanding the words because I'm a word person. Mm-hmm. And, yes, so and sometimes you listen to a song, you can listen to it one way, and you get this out of it. Next day, you listen to it a whole different way. And, and even without putting your emotions and your feelings into that, you still could get two different things out of the song. Mm-hmm. And if you listen to the words, and that's what I do, and, and I do listen to the songs, even if I'm here at church, mm-hmm. I go back and listen to them. <laughs> and then sometimes it's because Stephen doesn't hear them because he's sleeping yeah. during praise and worship. But so I think when you said something about we don't have passion, I think... That is a subjective term, maybe, is what I'm wearing. Subjective is the right word. Um, Let me suggest because, something. Go ahead. Well, go ahead. Well, it's because, I mean, everybody, like, everybody worships God differently. Yeah, they, I agree they, with that. They, and, and they have their own way and their own thing to do. And, you know, um, I've watched, after you made that little video, I've watched other people in, like, other realms and other churches and stuff, um, mm-hmm. And I'm just not the type to do this. Mm-hmm. I, I have, I mean, been coming here nine years, and I just never have been. But I, 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 I love to, to worship God, and I love to, you know, praise Him and, and things like that. I just, that, and I have teared up on certain songs, but I'm not sure if it was because God was making me tear up or if it was something in, emotionally. So, I mean, I'm... Emotionally is... That's genuine as well. Right, but I mean, I don't, I don't know, but I, I don't know. I just 
I understand what you're saying. I had a let whole half yeah. hour of this with them because... Let me, let me suggest something to you. Sure. That um, while we're doing praise and worship is probably not the time to be sending it to other people. Mm -hmm. um, because your focus needs to be just on him at mm -hmm. the moment. Um, what I was saying about entering in does not mean that every time someone's going to be crying or going to be doing anything like that. What I am saying is, and I, I thought I was pretty clear in the video, was that when we have love for someone, it shows up on our face. Um, if we tell someone, if I tell Terry I love her, I usually am not looking at her straight-eyed with my mouth on like this and I love you. I mean, that, doesn't, that communicates what's really going on in here. Mm -hmm. What communicates, I mean, it should, God designed, that's the reason why our faces have got more muscles than any part of our body. Mm -hmm. uh, that, that was by design. God did that on purpose because it's a center by which we express our emotions, which is why um, texting and stuff like that is probably one of the worst forms of communication there is because you don't, not only do you not hear the inflections of a person's, you know, voice, you can, you can, you can say, okay, or you can say, okay. And if it's text, it's picked up the same way you went. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> you know what I mean? No one's going to be able to tell what you meant. And But when you see a person's face, they might say, okay, calmly, but their face is not calm. <laughs> because you can tell something's going on there. And uh, what I'm trying to say by that is just that when we are in love, which is what worship really is, it is adoring him. It's showering him with our love. Um, it's not. It's not so much um, just a regurgitation of facts. It's not. It's. It's a. It's a time of of showing and, and expressing love towards God. And I'm not saying that every time it's going to stir up a ton of emotion. But um, what I am saying is that that if there's a passion there, it's going to show up in some way or another on a person's persona somewhere. Um, I think that that's a universal truth that really doesn't need defending. It's just the truth. Um, so, um, and that's what I meant. It wasn't picking on any one individual or whether or not you're raising your hand or not. Um, I, 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 I don't know. Whether, I've never done any studies on whether or not raising your hand is, is something that would be a normal impulse if, if you weren't resisting it. I don't know. Um, I know it came very naturally to me, and I was in a Baptist church, and no one told me to do it. In fact, I stood up with a sore thumb because I was doing it. Nobody at that point was raising their hands in the Baptist church. <laughs> and here I am, this kid, raising my hands in worship, and everybody's looking at me like, oh, my God, we got one of those holy rollers in here. But I couldn't help it. It's just what came out. Um, but that may not be the, the case with everybody. But are you seeing what I'm saying, though? No, I'm talking no, about, yeah. uh, so the big thing is being fully present. Right. And if it requires, if you want, like I'm going to do today, give the list to you afterwards, I'm happy to do that. Oh, yeah, that'd be awesome. Um, yeah, I'm happy to. Um, but uh, being fully present during it, so that it's kind of like something that I determined, thank God, I've done a lot of things wrong in my marriage, but I've done some things right. And one of the things that I determined early on in my relationship with Terry was to never be the guy that just nods and isn't listening. You know what I mean? Oh, I don't want to yes. be that guy. And I and sometimes I slip into that without realizing it. And I, what do I do, Terry? I'm sorry. Could you repeat that, please? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, Thank you. you so now you're doing it to me. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. When, I'm, I'm saying what you would say. 
Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, I'll stop myself, and I'm like, I'm sorry. I, 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 I zoned. I wasn't paying attention to say to me. And there's sometimes when she's had to do it three times, but I am determined I'm not going to be that guy. I'm going to get what she says. Even if at that moment what she's saying is boring me to tears, I am going to listen. Because I don't want to be that guy that tunes her out. You know what I mean? And, uh, and so sometimes you have to be determined. And, and at that moment when I do that, she appreciates that. She doesn't feel the passion because there's not a whole lot of passion going on right there. <laughs> but there is determination. You know what I mean? I will listen. I will not just not be present. You know what I mean? And, um, and that's part of worship is making sure that you're fully present. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And uh, because if we're not, then it's, it's just it doesn't mean anything anyway. It's kind of pointless to do worship. Um, so, uh, so, so just, so, just so that's clear, it was not, I was throwing out illustrations. I'm not saying that everybody needs to be crying. Everybody needs to be necessarily raising their hands. I do want everybody to be present. And I do know, and I don't, I, I can't retract it because I believe it's true. If you really are in love with the Lord and expressing that passion, it will at least sometimes show up on your face. It will show up in your expressions, just like you do with the, the person that you claim to love in your life. Um, uh, usually if you have uh, little nieces and grandkids run up to you and throw their arms around you, you're usually not straight-faced about it. I mean, you're, you're beaming from ear to ear, you know what I mean? Well, you know, this is, your, this is our Lord who's supposed to be. God says, you're supposed to love me so much that it looks like you hate them. So if you beam when you see other people and don't when you see him, there's a problem. That's all I'm saying. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? It's, this, is not a, this isn't condemning anyone. Like I said in the video, this is an evaluation of Mark as well. I'm not where I need to be. I'm, I'm getting there. And the Lord in his graciousness is stirring. Um, but, um, but I believe that a reevaluation without question is, is healthy and, in fact, necessary. So does that make sense? No, it, it makes sense. But I mean, you how you're saying you're not you're not there yet, but you're getting there. Mm -hmm. I have the same issue about having that. passion come in the church. Mm -hmm. I mean, I fight and fight and fight and fight and fight and fight. Mm -hmm. And even though I come, once I'm in the door, it's just like, mm -hmm. I mean, it's just something. It's, but it's getting me here. Mm -hmm. Once I'm here, I'm. It's different. I know. It is. And it, it And you told me that before. It, I believe it, it with all my heart. I know it, that. it gets better. And, you know, this is a new year, a new day, and, you know, a new time, and we'll see. But it, it does get, it was getting better. And then all of a sudden, halt, we didn't come for Nine 10 months. months. Yeah, yeah. 10 months. So, mm -hmm. um, so no, I understand. But, that's, that's also part of what this is about, is that, see, you, you're recognizing that there's a pattern there. You also, I would imagine, recognize it's not a healthy pattern, mm. and you want it broken. All mm. those are, see, all that is good. There's an awareness, there's a desire to change, it's just the impetus to make it happen. And that's what we're talking about, being aware. Um, it doesn't matter, unless you're Jesus, um, even if you're a Paul, you have things to regret in your walk with God. There's nobody, Paul himself would be the first, he's the one who wrote the, the token statement in Romans 7, the things I want to do, I don't do, and the things I hate, I find myself doing. Oh, wretched man that I am. That is, that's, not the, that's not the intro to a book on how I walked with God and pleased him every day of my life. That's not, that's, you know what I mean? That's not, Paul was just being honest. You know, sometimes I'm just a wretch. 
Sometimes, even though I try to be passionate about God, I'm not there like I ought to be. And so, so when we're looking at this as a group, uh, I want us to understand that, uh, that this, uh, this is not pointing us out as though we're different than the common Christian, but that's another issue is other Christians really aren't my measuring stick. I have to measure myself by the obedience of Christ. And when I look myself, because I, have, I mean, because I do this, you guys have that on one level, uh, or maybe several levels, because you not only have it as a Christian, but you also have it as a, as a, um, a husband or a wife or as a parent, and you've got all the different various avenues of your life that you compare yourself with others, and which Paul says is actually quite unwise. We only compare ourselves with the Lord, but you know, I, I also added to that compare myself with other pastors, and so I'm like, you know, well, I, I, talking to Terry just yesterday, I was like, you know. Um, you know, uh, just doing comparisons and seeing the difference between what seems to be the outcome with some people, and yet I know they're not even doing half of what I do. And then I find myself, Mark, you know what? You're, you're, it doesn't matter. They're not your comparison. Your comparison is the good shepherd, and so you've got light years to go in comparison to that. That's not a statement of condemnation. I don't feel condemned in that, but it does center me. Does that make sense? It's because I'm comparing myself with what really matters. Because when I stand before God, He's not going to say, "Hey, why weren't you? As, why didn't you act like that pastor down the road?" You're not going to ask me that. He's going to say, "You know what? Um, you know, He's going to praise me for the things I did right, just like we see in the Book of Revelation." But He's going to say, "Nevertheless, I had this against you, Mark." You know, and that little list is where He gets out the tissues and wipes the tears off my eyes. Because every one of us is going to be doing that in that day. A lot of this is about minimizing those tears on that day. Does that make sense? Um, and also, because we're living in a time period right now, as I told you guys, I started talking about it several years ago, certainly long before this whole issue that we've been going through with this uh, COVID thing and, um, and all the upheaval in our, our current situation with uh, um, our politics and international economics and all that other stuff. I told you that, you know, we are quickly coming to a time where very likely, even in, some, in our own nation, we... We might very much be persecuted to the point of our lives for being Christians. Um, and, uh, and I think that when I said it, there was a general, I know that's probably true, but, you know, this is America. You know what I mean? And uh, the truth of the matter is, um, no, America is not even America from 20 years ago. Certainly not the same America from 100 years ago. And uh, it's not even the same America as in four years ago. Um, and it very likely could come here. And I, I like Francis Chan in concern, not only just for our small body of believers here, but even more so for other believers. Because I look at other believers and I see what passes for Christian life and what passes for passion, what passes for, for church. And I'm like, uh, this is... This is, this is Jesus' words and warnings lived out right in front of me. I didn't know that I would actually see the days of seeing what Jesus prophesied lived in front of my eyes. But I'm seeing it. And the big deal that the scripture says is that see to it that you are not deceived. Because if it were possible, even the elect will be. Which tells me, you know what, Mark? Don't get comfortable and don't get too cocky. That doesn't, neither does it mean condemn the heck out of yourself. That's not what this is about. But it is have a sober 
day by day, moment by moment connection with the Spirit of God who prompts me and leads me to where I need to be, not make, make and being careful not to make excuses for areas where I'm not where I, I need to be. Acknowledging it, owning it, and moving forward. Um, so, uh, uh, any other any other takes on what I told you that this was about today? Just a quick reflection on yeah. praise and worship this morning. A couple of songs I've known for years, and that my I'm sure my my facial expression was different, but the, the ones where I didn't know the words, I was following the words, but it's not like I was entering in the same degree as once you know. But God was looking on my heart, so He knew what was there, mm-hmm. and so that was what was important. You know, is what's going on in your heart? Are you, mm-hmm. you know, connecting with this message at all? Or are you just sort of like, okay, I'll wait till this is over, and one that I know comes up, and I'll be more mm-hmm. into it. But uh, so it, it's you know, it varies. But God, you know, He's gracious. Thank you, because if I don't know the words of the song, at least I'm going to pay attention to what's being said. So. Yeah, absolutely. I mean. I didn't know the, the last song that we played until Terry shared it with me the other day, but even upon first hearing it, it had a tremendous impact on me. And, and I'm sure it quite easily it showed on my face, um, even though I, you know, I couldn't enter into it because I didn't know what the next word was going to be. I could read them and I could hear them. I'm like, wow, dang, that, that man, that hits. Um, very powerful song, very good song. So, uh, by the way, the, the one we're talking about is the, the last one we were just singing, which was uh, Wonder by uh, Jason Gray. Very, very good. So, uh, um, yeah, anyone else? Yeah, go ahead, Terry. Um, a couple different things, but one of the words on the praise and worship topic came to my mind was, and it fits with other things too, was a word that God connected in my mind years ago, and that's just engage. And I, I know that there's a difference when, with me, and even I noticed it this morning, so many times it's like there's a little little details I deal with behind the scenes and it distracts me from what I'm doing, even though I'm still singing and I know the words and all that, but when I, when I'm totally focused and I'm, it's like there's a level at which I can be singing words, but there's a level at which my heart engages. Yeah. And I notice that and sometimes I have to work to get there, you know, to get my heart, okay, pay attention, remember this isn't just the words, is your heart engaged Mm -hmm. and are my emotions engaged and and you know that's something I have to work at sometimes. Um, but I know distractions are are things that keep me away from that. Um, which is also one of the big things you know that I always have trouble with. But you know that whole moment by moment, even in the daily life of things. And that's another big word that God tries to bring up to me is remember to acknowledge me in all your ways. Yes. You know. Acknowledge me in all your ways, no matter what you're doing. Acknowledge my presence. Acknowledge that I'm there, that moment by moment by moment by moment. And we don't live there. We have to continually put ourselves, remind ourselves, continually acknowledge his presence there and our connection there and our engaging with him in those moments. And and I know that that's something that, that gets lost a lot of the times in the crazy busyness, the momentary reactions to life, the pressures of what's going on. And um, so I know that that with me, that in in the overall scope of things, that that's something that definitely needs to be worked on. Another thing I shared with you that um, adds to the whole day-to-day thing is that, I don't remember if it was that, that 
selfie message you did or if it was some other aspect I can't remember whether it was that or Chan or something but something brought to my mind the whole concept of um, just a delineation between the sheep and the shepherd and how I think that sometimes we're we rely too much on coming and just hearing you whereas the shepherd leads us to a place to graze he doesn't just put a, a um, food before us or hand feed us or chew the cud and you know the way some animals do to feed us but the shepherd leads us to a place where we feed and I think that sometimes it's easy that we forget that this is a message you're sitting before a place you're sitting taking us to that we need to spend time chewing on we need to spend time meditating on we need to spend time grazing there you know, it's not just a one-time hear it and leave it. Yeah. It's, and I'm guilty of that because I, I, even times when you give us a focus, think about the <coughs> you know what you want to do. Sometimes I'm scrambling the night before and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I totally forgot to think about that. You know, so I know that I'm guilty of not grazing. Yeah. And, and like I said in the video, I do know that there are, that's one thing that I see as a, I believe is a difference with our church than what I have seen and I know my, my exposure to other churches is limited uh, and, and, and dated because a lot of the exposure I had to churches was 20 year, plus years ago. <clears throat> but I think that our church is better about that than many. Because um, I've heard, I don't know how many times I hear from various people, I went back and I listened to. Um, you, I, you, I, I'm probably one of the very few pastors that ever hear that. Uh, so, you know, and I acknowledge that. I'm just totally awestruck by it and I'm grateful um, and I understand that part of it is because you didn't get it while you were there but you, you're not going to get everything the disciples these are guys that ate, slept you know, walked everywhere with Jesus and Jesus would say stuff uh, for a whole day and afterwards he'd say what did you mean? because you know, they didn't get it right? Um, and Jesus didn't get provoked at that he was happy that they were hungry enough to ask right? so <clears throat> and try, I tried to acknowledge that on the video that, you know, the very fact that we have that as, I hear that pretty frequently in here, that's like a kudos, that's awesome. Um, that, uh, that there's at least a desire enough to go back and re-graze. <clears throat> so that's, that's, a, that's a perk, that's a big thing. The, 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 the one thing is that, uh, that I'm, I'm more concerned about with our group is not so much whether or not you're getting information but whether or not you're having a connection. <clears throat> I, I want you to have a connection with the Lord of the words, not the words. <clears throat> the words don't really mean anything if there hasn't been an encounter with him. And uh, an encounter, you can't walk away from that unchanged. Words, you can walk away completely unchanged. Or you walk away with a to-do list of I need to be changed, but I'm not there yet, but I'm going to work on it. But an encounter, change just happens. It's nothing, something that, it's not like baggage is stuffed at your door and you have to learn how to do something with it. When you've had an encounter, you walk away already changed. That's what I want. That's what Jesus was talking about when he talked to the Pharisees. And he said, you're searching the scriptures daily. They were going back and rereading and re-listening. He said, and you think you're going to find life in there. And I'm telling you, it's not to be found there. It's found in an encounter with me, and I'm talking to you, he said. 
Uh, and, and he said, you won't come to me that you might, you need an encounter with me, the, the God of those words. And that is, that's something that on some level or another, uh, and, I, and I'm not even going to, to dress up, I, I know with all my heart is lacking in here. Some degree or another. And it's not something that I can make happen. You can't make it happen in me. I can't make it happen in you. Um, I, I was, you know, just pondering these things even yesterday. Just talking to the Lord and saying, Father God, I don't even know what, to, if someone were to even ask me, well, then what do we do? What would I say? Because to be honest with you, I'm not sure how to get from where we are to where you have a heart that's alive. I don't know how you get from here to here. How, how do you teach someone to do that? Does that make sense to you, you know? How do you, how do you, I mean, you, you, can, you can teach a, a, a kid about history, but you can't make them passionate about it. Either they're going to be or they're not. And it depends on how they process it. It's not because there's not enough about history to get excited about. We've got thousands of years. Surely there's something interesting in there, right? It's not a matter of the fact that it's not there. It's just that they're not engaging with it on that level. To them, it's information for a test. And uh, um, and uh, to engage with it uh, requires a change in here, not a change coming at them. And uh, how do you generate that? How do you create that? Well, you know, as I was talking to the Lord about it yesterday, it's a, a theme that kept on coming up to me. And I thought, you know, well, Lord, you know, I need to look that up. And I did. This was way earlier. Not, not I may have been even last week before I even did the video. I'm not sure. But anyway, as I was talking a little about it, um, the passage came up to my heart, and I've quoted it often in here. It's from the book of John, where it says, First uh, John, where it says, you know, Behold what manner of love the Father God has shown us, and we should be called his children. And it goes on down, and it says, and talks about uh, <clears throat> that right now we are children of God, but it hasn't appeared to us what we shall be. But the one thing we do know is that when we see him, we will be like him. And all those who maintain this hope in them purify themselves, even as he is pure. And I'm like, you know, and again, the whole thing is just dripping with relationship. You could easily take those four verses and turn it into a to-do list. It's not hard to turn scripture into a to-do list. But that's really not the way even a natural reading of the words strike you. If you listen, if you really listen to it, if you really read it. It leads you with the impression of those who are excited about his return and that upon seeing him that they will be changed to be instantly like him, they will find themselves purifying themselves. They're not working to purify themselves. They'll find themselves, wow, I purified myself. When did that happen? I don't remember putting any effort into that. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. Remember, I've given you illustrations of it. And it's happened in my in areas in my life, and I've shared them with you. But I wouldn't, I can't, I can't claim that it's indicative of all my life, and it should be. Thus, I'm under scrutiny as well, right? I remember sharing with you guys one time, you know, um, uh, you know, a, a particular uh, weakness and sin that had followed me for most of my life. And uh, just struggled against it. Could not get any headway. It didn't matter how much condemnation I felt or how many, how terrible I felt for the 150 billionth time coming to him saying, I did it again. Um, or 
how how on fire I would be to, you know, ooh, that's not going to happen again. And, you know, before you get to the parking lot, it's already on this way, you know. Those, you know, and just crying out to him one day, and it was at a Christmas time, many, 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 many years ago, where Tara and I were coming back from a party. She'd fallen asleep on the way home, being the typical company she is with nighttime. Yeah. And, uh, um, love you, baby. Um, and so I was very much alone in the car, really. And so I was just talking to God out loud, and I could easily do it with uh, anonymity because she wasn't there. Um, and just crying out to him. And uh, uh, that's when the Lord spoke that verse in Philippians to me, um, that, I, that, uh, he, that he is able to subdue all things to himself. And then the idea of the word grace came to my mind, and I'm like, I've been struggling to make this happen and you're telling me it's something that you do in me. I've turned it into a work again. I have gone back under the law. I know better than that. I know better than that. But I'm doing it anyway. And so the very next day, you know, uh, I mean, I, I just, I literally, I just, it was, uh, it was like someone had just released me from a cage. And uh, the next day, uh, it, I had I remember I had to go get um, water in um, Ellington. And, uh, and there again, an opportunity to enter into this mental pattern in my head that was sin. And, uh, and that, that one time, well, there was another time just after that that he did it. But the Lord said, now you can handle this, you can let me take this. And I, and I found myself literally saying out loud, no, 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 you take it, you take it. <laughs> I literally started backing up physically, saying, no, 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 you take it, you take it. And, and literally, the temptation just walked right by me as though it were nothing. And I was like, I was awestruck. I could not believe that just happened. I mean, I was struggling with this for as many years as I can imagine. And that, it just... It just completely just fell off of me like water off of a duck's back. I'm like, why didn't you tell me this before, you know? <laughs> Which, of course, he had tried. And then, you know, I, and as I progressed in that for, for several years, I realized at one point, looking back, that that hasn't been a problem, and I can't remember when. And I remember, literally, I told you guys, and every time I say it, I almost tear up because I'm just so overwhelmed by his graciousness. I, 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 the, the passage, that the words that Jesus said, that is a passage now, but when he spoke it, they were just words, came to life in me. And that was when he said, you know, that, you know, the farmer that sows the seed, he doesn't worry over the seed. He goes to bed and he rises up and he goes to bed and he rises up and he gazes across <coughs> his field and it springs up and it begins to bear fruit and he doesn't know how. The farmer doesn't understand why it works, it just works. And he said, you allow me to plant my word in your heart, and then you stop trying to go up there and dig it up and see is it working and do this and do that, but just go to bed and rise up and rest in me. And he said, and you'll find it happening, and you'll know not how. So John, first John, saying, you know what? All those essentially, it doesn't say it this way, but all who love is appearing, find themselves purifying themselves even as he is pure. They don't make it happen. They find it happening. They don't try to stir up passion. Passion just happens. They find themselves excited about God. 
You know what I mean? And see, but can you see the relational nature of it? You didn't make it happen. It just happened. Yes. Okay, I have to say this now, Laura. It will go lost. You're talking, saying your story, you know, Mm -hmm. about you, and then you, the story about God. That's, those are the things that make me engage and feel passionate about God. I like the stories. Mm -hmm. Terry has this kid series. She gave it to me and Steven Mm -hmm. to read one time, okay? Mm -hmm. Those stories is what engages me, Mm -hmm. is what gets me passionate about God. Mm -hmm. And not to negate anything else, but when you're given your messages, mm-hmm. um, this has a point, I promise. Mm-hmm. When you're given your messages and you do the, you're teaching us about this word and that word, mm-hmm. but when you start talking about the story, about Daniel, about um, Jacob and Esau, about the stories, yeah. those are the passionate things that, that make me want to learn and make me want to be better and make me want to... Mm-hmm. You know, love God. I understand that. And everything else you're 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 mess you're preaching about or you're talking about is relevant too, but it's it doesn't have a stirring effect. Yeah, but this but and the reason I bring up that series is because when you're talking for like the last fifteen minutes, Mm -hmm. I'm thinking of the burning bush one. That was the first. I think it's one of the in the first four books that she. Gave us at that time. It was in there. Yeah. and But that's in my head. That's where I'm yeah. going. And it's the stories. Yeah, you're right. And, and my right. husband mm-hmm. is a very good storyteller. Mm-hmm. He is very meticulous sometimes. Too meticulous. But he's very good at telling stories. Mm-hmm. And it makes you want to listen to him mm-hmm. even more. Yeah. So you tell the story when you're doing your message. And then mm-hmm. I get to hear the story from him. Mm-hmm. Like... I don't want to say baby down because that's the word I always use, but to get it down. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, even as an adult, the kid, the kid stories mm-hmm. about God, that gets me, you know, fired up. Yeah, good. And certain songs get me fired up too, but mm-hmm. I like hearing the stories. I like hearing the stories. I like, you know, because I'm still, after nine years, I don't know everything about the Bible. No one does. Well, <laughs> I know, but I mean, there there are some stories I'm sure I've heard, and then I hear them again, and I'm like, oh, I don't remember that. Mm-hmm. Tell me more, you know, that kind of thing. So. And and that's, that's natural because stories, like like when we we're going through the the ladies were going through sacred romance. One of the things that John Eldred said is that life has got a story shape to it, um, and so we engage with stories, and that makes sense. Um, and and both are necessary. I mean, Jesus was a storyteller. Paul was not. Paul, Paul did not come teaching stories. He did not come teaching parables. He taught the word. Jesus taught in parables. That doesn't make Jesus right and Paul wrong. It's just two different ways of teaching. Paul was inspired to do what he did. Jesus was inspired to do what he did. Um, but naturally speaking... One of the things that that occurs to me when I think about that very thing is that where did Jesus get the stories? He got the stories because he'd spent time in the, this word means that, time on his own, but not in an academic way, but in a relational way. When he studied the word, it was relationship to him. It was life to him, so when it came out of him, it was life. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Um, They weren't just 
facts. Like when I read when I read the the stories of the things that Jesus did, you know, uh, it's important to understand words because of the fact that they often mean something radically different than first plus English words would give us any understanding of. But even still, trying to be there and relationally connect with the Jesus and the crowd he was speaking to and what was going on in their mind and what was going on in their political climate, what was going on in their religious worlds and why Jesus was speaking these words to these people at that time, being there and connecting with it on a relational way makes a, a huge difference in how I'm reading it, makes a difference on me rather than just reading it into being information. But that requires a hunger to have relationship with the one who spoke the words. And uh, and just like uh, at times when, uh, just again, going back to relationship with Terry and I, um, you know, it's easy. You know, we can go out and do our errands and do the various things that we do and have an entire day and not spend any time with each other that we're with each other all day long. And because of the fact that, you know, I've just, you know, I acknowledge that she's physically there, but I'm not living in the moment. Um, and that is the design of the enemy, is to keep us always living two steps out this way or four steps behind us. Always concerned about the past, always concerned about the pre the future, but not living in the moment where God is. And, uh, and if we live in the now, acknowledging them, like Terry brought up earlier, in all of our ways... Walking the Christian walk becomes something you find yourself doing. So anyway, uh, you know, uh, like I said, I, I was walking the Lord and asking him a question. He brought up to me that passage in John, and uh, that they find themselves purifying themselves even as He is pure. And uh, since then, He has brought to me I don't can't tell you how many examples in the New Testament of how often the early church, what has become a peripheral doctrine now in the body of Christ was a huge deal in the early church. And I'm beginning to see a conspiracy here, that the enemy has done everything he can to pull us away from it. And that is the early church, they talk as much about the immediate return of Christ, that it could be any moment, as much as they talked about his lordship. They talked about it all the time. In fact, come Lord Jesus was actually a greeting in the early church instead of hello. It was that important. It was that big of a doctrine. It was that big that it stayed on their mind 24 hours a day, seven days a week, that literally any second he could be here. And stirring that excitement up. Not fear, excitement. And those who maintain that excitement find themselves purifying themselves. Is it any wonder why the church really doesn't talk about it much? I mean, Christians acknowledge, well, yeah, you know, thank God Jesus is coming. And we say that, and we mean it, and, and we believe that, and we're excited when we say it, but how often are we really thinking about it? You know what I mean? Other than maybe, you know, God just let me escape this place. But that's really not, that's really not the heart in which it's said in the New Testament. It's not about escaping. It's about being able to be physically immediately, fully in his presence, rather than he's, spir he's spiritually around me all the time, but there's going to be a day when I'll be able to touch him. I'll be able to fall in a long embrace that I can't do right now. It's a bride waiting for her bridegroom. She's eager. 
She's not trying to escape anything. She just wants to get to him. And it's that mindset that I think is lacking in the body of Christ. And I know that it's not, I don't teach about it very much, which is a failing on my part. I did not realize how much of a big deal that was in the New Testament. And one of the reasons is because it's cloaked in words. It's said differently in English, so you don't pick up on it. Uh, last night, I couldn't get to sleep. It was around 2 o'clock, and I was uh, just praying this, the song from Michael Card, Maranatha. It kept on going on in my head. And so I thought, well, I better Google it and make sure I got all the words right, because, you know, God's obviously bringing this to me. So I did, and I read it. And at the very end, the last stanza brought up a word that's not an English word. It was a Greek word. I'm like, I don't remember that ever being there. I was to Michael Card all my life. I cannot, I don't remember that word being there. So I looked it up. So I typed in the word Maranatha, which means come Lord Jesus, or come Lord is really what it means. Um, and I looked up this other word next to it. About two things down, there was an article written by a guy in, in the UK. It was amazing. And he brought up about four or five different words that were used throughout the New Testament in the church that were all talking about the coming of the Lord. But when you read it in English translation, you don't see that at all. You miss it almost entirely. Or sometimes it kind of says it, you kind of pick up on it, but it's almost like a nuance, not a stated right there. you know. But the way it was actually written in the Greek, that's where the exclamation point should have been. It's something you can easily repass in English. And I didn't know it. I did not realize how often it was brought up. I mean, I mean a lot. A truckload. He had a whole page filled with scriptures, and in my mind were coming scriptures he wasn't even mentioning. That talks about the coming of the Lord, the coming of the Lord, the coming of the Lord, the coming of the Lord. It's all the way through the New Testament, soaking in it. And I barely talk about it, and I rarely think about it. I'm thinking about living with him in the now, which is a good thing, but I'm not anticipating his immediate return. And one of the reasons why is because um, uh, there's a whole host of reasons but one of the reasons is because he hasn't come for 2,000 years, so we kind of come lax to the point where we're really not expecting it to happen in our lifetime necessarily. Yeah. And then it hit me. Jesus, this generation, is who Jesus was talking about. In his teaching, it sounded like he was talking about a person. But I'm convinced now he's talking about our generation. He said... The lazy servant is the one who says, my master delays his coming. And what's the result of that? If you read the, the statement, they become lax in their walk. They're not diligent. And he says, and when I come back, he said, I will appoint that person, their place with the unbelievers. Don't want to be that guy. So can you see that this is pretty important? And, and, but there's no need for fear because if we just fall in love of course it all just falls into place if it's a mechanical work well then you know we have every reason to be concerned but you know uh, but I'm, I'm just amazed at how uh, can you see how when Jesus said that you know he says he says my master delays, delays his coming can you kind of look in the landscape of the body of Christ right now maybe even in our own hearts to some degree or another and realize that in one way or another we're kind of living with that thought whether we say it or not we're kind of living with that thought and it's had an impact on us. Go ahead. I'm going to shut up now because I would talk all day. You, go ahead. <laughs> we, in a lot of areas, I think we've been taught how to be lazy. Yeah. And 
technology is a part of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, uh, I, don't, I don't want to make the effort to go, you know, it's, I mean, used to, as kids and stuff, you'd have to look something up. It'd take time, you had to go to the encyclopedia and, you know, so on and so forth. So there was something more engaging rather than just tapping and clicking and, you know, mm-hmm. getting, that's not, to put anything against technology altogether, but it's just no. a, a, a way of, I think, it has a cumulative to, effect to be to, to be lazy. But I want to connect with something else when she was talking about the stories and you were talking about the love. And what it's, it's back to another old hymn. It says, I love to tell the story of unseen things above Jesus and his glory, of Jesus and his love. I love to tell the story because I know it's true, it satisfies my longing as nothing else can do. But some of the verses that we don't usually sing or refer to, the last couple, when I like it, it says. I love to tell the story, tis pleasant to repeat. What seems each time I tell it, more wonderfully sweet. I love to tell the story, for some have never heard, the message of salvation from God's own holy word. I love to tell the story for those who know it best, seem hungering and thirsting to hear it like the rest. And when in the scenes of glory I sing the new, new song, t'will be the old, old story that I have loved so long. And it gives the chorus, I love to tell the story, t'will be my theme of glory. To tell the old old story of Jesus and His love. Yeah. I mean, just little things like that. I, I hadn't heard that. I hadn't thought of that song in a long time. You thought about Maranatha. I remember mm-hmm. Michael Card in that song too. But the things <clears throat> that God brings to us to help us to make that Connection. become a realization in our life, and not just a matter of like, oh yeah, ho ho. Yeah. But uh, it's yeah. It, it truly it, it is exciting to think that Jesus is coming. And I keep hearing people saying, you know, come Lord Jesus, come quickly. And others will just say, you know. I, I'm ready to go to heaven. I want. To, I know I'm going to heaven, but I'm not ready to go yet. So, yeah. So and that that's indicative of a problem. Yeah, and it's like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, I've said that. Comes, I've know, said that's that. That's it. Yeah. I've thought it, but oh, yeah. um, and that, like I say, that's indicative of there's a, there's a heart issue there. Um, if I'm not ready to go right now, that means that my walk is not what it needs to be. Um, I should be just itching for him to be back, right? And and, uh, and I'm, I'm definitely certainly more excited about it uh, now than I was maybe even a year ago and certainly two or three years ago. But uh, it's a progressive work. But yeah, uh, if we actually have that thought, that's that that's probably <coughs> symptomatic of the issue. So uh, any other thoughts, uh, things that have been turning in yours in your heart? Go right ahead, please. Okay. <laughs> I love you, Stephanie. <laughs> well, because I just. You that your video is you know not just that but other things going on in our house too, um, but what you said about us going back and re-listening to the messages, yeah, you talking about that word and the the, the person you read in the UK and all that, mm-hmm. that is a good example of something that I would probably go back and listen to again, mm-hmm. so I can look up that word and I can see the examples and mm-hmm. I can see. What you know, that is a good example. Um, I like listen, re-listening to the messages because you do do a lot of um, you do do a lot of word study, mm-hmm. and sometimes I don't understand it when you're talking about it. But if I go back and listen to you, I can pause you. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> and then I can look it up, or I can discuss it with Nancy, which is usually what happens. Which is excellent. I and, love the fact that you guys have that. That is. But huge. it's just because you know we don't do it all the time. No, no, but we do. Still, it but, happens, right? Because um, <clears throat> sometimes I'll take notes, and my notes make no sense, and then I go back and listen to the message or part of the message, and 
if you compared my notes from one to the next, it looked like I was listening to two different, different messages. Yeah. messages. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I take notes to, uh, honest, this is honest, to, to keep myself engaged in what you're saying mm-hmm. and to, you know, to keep my mind focused, I mean, on you and the Lord, because mm-hmm. if I don't, I would sit here and I might go to sleep. Right. Um, and, and that's just being honest, because that's what I'm happened. Not offended, dear. That's what happened at home <laughs> sometimes for the last 10 months. Oh. <laughs> um, and that's just me being honest. But that's why I like that you record the messages and you put them on, you know, not just the words, but your actual your actual voice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because we can go back and we can play. Yeah. We can you do the complete you. opposite of what I do. You probably slow me down. I, I speed people up. <laughs> no. <laughs> like, I, I don't think I've listened to even uh, Brother Chan at normal speed one time. The first time I listened to him, I listened to him at least one and a half times speed, if not two. But it also... It just it, takes two of them. It also... What Doris just read. Mm-hmm. You mean, I could go back and listen to the message, and I can look up that song if yeah. I wanted to, or look up those words. You know, I could try to listen to Terry, because sometimes she's real soft, even when you listen mm-hmm. to the message. You, she's real soft, mm-hmm. and if I turn the volume all the way up and I'm really focused, I can hear what she's saying. Yeah. But I'll be honest, the words <laughs> that she gave today, I wrote down because just in case I didn't hear her. Mm-hmm. Um, great words, engage, yeah. acknowledge. You know, um, great words. There, there are days I have. I was home for three and a half weeks for the most part by myself because my husband worked and Nancy and Steve were in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. I could have done more. Bible study. I could have read the Bible more. I talked to God a little bit, but I could have done more. I mean, those are things I need to work on. And that, you know, as church, I'm not sure where everyone is, but those are things I need to work on. But this is a great, um, the, a great, a great tool that I, ha- I could have to go back. I can listen to every message you ever put on the website. I won't, but I could. It would take you a long time. <laughs> I tried. It'd be a very long time. The, the last game we had when Miss um, Virginia was still here, the last game we had, I tried. I sat on the bed and tried to listen to the messages and mm-hmm. so I could be real prepared. Yeah. No, it didn't happen. I fell asleep to some, so I mean. Yeah. That's one of the reasons why I make sure that the words are all there. Because that makes it different. I, I would read... The text before I'd ever listened to an audible, but that's that's me. So uh, what I did with what you asked us to read and mm-hmm. not listen to, I printed mm-hmm. it out. Yeah. So I never got a chance to read it to Stephen. I read it myself. Yeah. But I printed it out so I could I didn't have to get on the computer and I could read yeah. it to him. Mm-hmm. Um. So if anybody wants a copy of it, I have one. <laughs> yeah, reading has a different impact on us than just hearing. Well, yeah, it doesn't matter whether you're just an auditory listener or not. Yeah, yeah. I know. Years ago. Years ago, I used to plug in the cassette, mm-hmm. and I would play it when I went to bed. Never heard the end, ever, ever, ever mm-hmm. got to the end. I would yeah. So I'm thinking to myself, this is this cannot be good. This means that I probably really don't pay attention in the first place if it's put me to sleep, you know. So, but. I look at things and you can hear it and then you can hear it and then you can hear it and then all of a sudden the light bulb goes off. Yeah. Ding! 
Oh, repeated exposure. Mm-hmm. You know, it becomes it becomes clear. Yeah. So it uh, the the repetition. Um, reading it and rereading it, and I, I don't know. The Lord had me on one scripture for over a year, yeah. and I was focusing on one word. Yeah. And then I'm finally, I'm like, <clears throat> "What is the deal? You know, I can't get past this." It was not that word; it was another word. Mm-hmm. Same scripture. Yeah. Go after this word. Well. You know, that made all the difference in the world. Yeah. You know, on what I was doing. But it's... Uh, I've had the same experience. The whole... <clears throat> my issue, my, obviously, with the in, uh, personal encounter. I can't... I can't do it in a room full of people. Just Take can't do it. And I don't have the ability. Well, I guess I, the opportunity is better than ability. The opportunity to escape and be alone long enough to reach that goal or even attempt to reach that goal because mm-hmm. I don't know how to do it <clears throat> you know but I don't think if it's a one-on-one it's a one-on-one relationship yeah. it needs to be one-on-one I agree yeah and there's situations that it it cannot be so Actually, it's part of my part of my part of my issue is there's no um, passion on the other end, you know, and um, that's very difficult for me. I mean, it took what twenty something years, you know, to get him. To come to the Lord, mm-hmm. and then he got sight, and I don't know what's happened. Same but thing it, that happens to most of us. But it, um, my frustration level is at a maximum, mm-hmm. and um, I know that it frustrates the kids because you know <laughs> trying to convince me to, you know. To, to tell him and convince him to do, you know, what he should do. And I'm like, no, I'm done. I can't make him do anything, you know. So that's, that's what I meant. It may sound like I'm not caring, but that's not true at all. No, I, I'm not, I don't think that. But what I'm, I'm more concerned about is Nancy, well, where I'm, you are. I'm worried about that too because I feel like I'm being drugged around by the back of my head. Yeah. So let, let me let me suggest this. I'm not in your scenario, so I can't I can't envision it properly. I, I understand. So, but at the same time, I can imagine that Jesus, in many respects, felt the same way with the disciples, especially when one of them was a traitor the whole time. He couldn't have been really on board, you know. 
and yet he was able to maintain passion and devotion. So we know it's possible. Working it through is another issue. I don't have answers for that, other than, like I've said, making that your your time and your connection top priority. Um, you might come back into her house and it's like throwing a wet, wet rag on it again. You might. But there's going to come a point, and I know this from personal experience, but I know it also just because of the way that we're made. There's going to come a point where the regular connection that you, you make sure that you wind up having, when you come back, you'll be aware of the wet rag, but it's not going to have an impact. Because it isn't your Lord. You have a Lord that's, that's greater than that and supersedes that. Um, and you know that. I only know that you know that. You're, I know that you're convinced of this. I know that. Walking in, it's another issue, and I get that too. But you can get there. It is not impossible. If it were, then Jesus is most cruel for expecting it of us. So, and I think that that's, this is a great example of what Nancy's talking about is, you know, what seems to be oppressive. Every time you try to take a step, you feel like you're dragging an animal with you. Uh, you know, realizing that, you know, for some of us, it's going to require that you are all the more determined. I'm going to make this happen. It doesn't matter if I've got to dry, drag 20 anvils with me. It means enough. I am going to get this done. And uh, for some of us, it's going to be a lot harder than others. You know, I mean, uh, I can't just hit the door anytime I want to either. But there are some times where I'm just like, you know what? Uh, the house can catch on fire. I am walking away. I'm taking a walk. I'm going to spend time with God for an hour. And when I come back, if there's a house, great. If there isn't, then I'll pitch camp under a tree. Because I've got to have this. See, I wonder, when I think these, when I think through this process, <clears throat> what just came up flying out my mouth, I feel like I'm just griping, you know, I feel like that, it, and that's not, it sounds whiny. It's frustrating. And it's, I, I don't mean it to sound whiny, but if I don't say it out loud once in a while, I'm going to explode. It's like the, you know, the furnace is just going to... It's like be, being on the plane flying back, I with the with the masks and the and I made it up there okay. Coming back, not so good. I had a full blown panic attack in the plane, and it um, it wasn't good. But I survived, you know. But <laughs> it. I don't know. I don't think. I, I don't know. I don't, might as well just shut it because I don't know nothing. And it, um, I can I can cry out to the Lord all day long, and I don't know if I've just got so much junk stuck up in there that I'm not hearing. I just I just I'm not I'm not sure. But you're right. Probably the best thing for me to do is. Say sayonara and just get out. 
you know, just go park somewhere mm-hmm. where nobody knows my name. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I understand. I do understand. Yeah, go ahead. My mind, I never really seen Jesus drag anybody along. In my mind, Jesus is like, I'm going over here. Come follow me. And if you're like, nah, I gotta take care of something, okay, he's going over there anyways. And the 12 disciples, I don't think there was an ever mystical decision, okay, I need to find 12 guys, and you, 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 and you are gonna be it, and let's go. Everybody pack your stuff and come. Mm-hmm. It's, hey, come with me, and it just happened to be 12 guys that stuck around. 12, 12 people that followed me and got close enough to to really want to be with me. There was, there was thousands of people that followed Jesus. Twelve of them followed him closely. You know, and, you know, whenever someone's like, you know, I, I need to do something, he's like, come, you know, sell all your stuff, give to the poor, and follow me. And if you didn't want to do it, he's, all right, let's go. Mm. Um, so he never let anybody slow his walk with God Agreed. And, yeah, I agree and because he, he allowed himself to get close to God, people followed him. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so if you're not progressing with your walk with God because someone else isn't progressing with their walk from God, then that's your problem. You need to quit letting that other person hold you back. Yes, that's true. And you know, if you need to get away and, and grow your walk with God. And, and if dad doesn't want to come to church, don't let that hinder you. Yeah. You know, and when you start growing closer with God and having a closer walk with them, and dad starts recognizing something's going on, then he'll start growing an interest. Yeah, it's very possible. You know, if, that there's, and there's, a, there's a yin and a yang to this. But when it comes to do with personal growth, you're absolutely right. Well, Nobody can hold you back in your personal growth. If, if you keep bringing your light into the shadow, mm-hmm. you know, your your light's going to shine on it, on the, on the plant that's in the shadow, and it's going to grow a little bit, but you're going to die a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, but if you go out and, and shine, then the plant that's in the shadow will come out yep. and start growing itself. Oh, sunflower? <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> the, there's the, the other end of this, just for people who might be taking it what Stephen's saying beyond what he's saying. Paul, on a regular basis, carried the burdens of the churches along with him everywhere he went. It did not hinder his walk. If anything, it stirred him to more. So that you you do you do have the carrying of people around in your heart, but it does not have the right to impact your personal walk. Um and if we allow it to, then we're allowing, just to be perfectly honest, and I don't think there's anybody in this room that doesn't have something like that. It may not be a person, it may be a thing, but something that hinders the walk. Um, but the truth of the matter is, nothing really has the power to do that. We give it that power. And the way we give it by the power is because, to some degree or another, it supplants our Lord on the throne. And that's not condemnation, it's just true. And it's as much true for me as it is for anybody else. It may not be a person, it could be a thing. But the bottom line is, there are things that, that's the wording, in fact, in Hebrews chapter 12, where he says, 
God, it talks about laying aside the weight that does so easily, that slows down your walk, that hinders your progress. Um, you're carrying a weight around with you, lay it down. Uh, you do have that option. So, so yeah, it's, it, it doesn't have the power to stop your walk. It, that doesn't mean that it doesn't feel like it does. Those feelings can be very <clears throat> penetrating and convincing, can't they, Nancy? <laughs> but they don't really have that power. Terry, you had something? Yeah. Um, it connects in a lot of different ways, but um, first of all, the, the, <coughs> we, the more we spend time with the Lord, the more we find our contentment there. And when we're content there, the more a lot of those things fall off of us, and like yeah. you said, they, they they fall off, and you do. It's like it's like it becomes a point where you more easily are trusting God to deal with your issues, and then you can be more patient and more caring concerning other people's issues, mm -hmm. and you're able to handle more that way. I think that that's what part of the came we said it about Paul. But one of the things I had in my notes even for today that I know. That we've talked about a little bit, and I know it needs to happen. God's already been working it more in me when it comes to my mind. And as I feel like in so many ways, we have let go of trust and hope. Mm -hmm. And I and no matter what it is, no matter how fine detailed it is with your life, your frustrations, your emotions, or the bigger issues and finances, or the chaos in the world, regardless of what it is. There is a level of hope and trust in God and expect, like you said, expectation of Him coming in and helping. Mm -hmm. And even though it's in a momentary thing of, of, I don't know what you're going to do, I don't know how we're going to get past this, but I'm putting my mind on you because I know somehow or another you're going to fix this. Yeah. I mean, it can be that general, but um, just the thoughts of, of Stirring up hope in general, mm -hmm. a positive expectation of something better with God, or some of that God is gonna is there, or that God is coming through, or um, and helping us to be more bold in that. Um, and one of the things I wrote was a hope that shows and a trust that shows, mm -hmm. because as we as again, it's gonna affect our emotions, it's gonna affect our demeanor, it's gonna affect our Patience level. There obviously yeah. has got to be, there obviously has got to be an outward, something obvious about it, or the the gospel would not tell us that if you live this way, it's going to provoke the question in people. What is the reason for the hope in you? If your life and the way that you look and the way that you live and the way that you walk doesn't provoke that question in people, there's something probably not right. And I'm not saying that people are going to necessarily ask the question. They may or may not, but but there is a, the point is that in the the verse makes it clear that the way we live as Christians should provoke that kind of a question, which means the the world doesn't have a Holy Spirit to tell them what's going on inside of your heart. So I so I think that I might be reading into the verse, but I think it's kind of obvious by the statement that. Something about the way you live shows outwardly that you've got a hope that they're asking about. They have to see it, or they wouldn't have a basis for asking you the question. So, yeah, 
And, uh, and, you know, and I saw that uh, years ago when we first started pulling away from a lot of the Word of Faith teachings, which we really didn't. We really didn't pull away from them. We reoriented them inside of a biblical context, you know, where we stopped believing for but believing in and things like that. But I think that that so reoriented everybody that I really believe to some degree or another, people just never got back on the train again. I'm not sure why. But in fact, if you go back on the website, you'll find that I had taught two or three lessons a number of years back because I was so frustrated with that with what I was seeing, on being inclined to believe. It should be the first reaction of a believer to believe. Thus the name, right? You know what I mean? We should be inclined to believe. We should be people of hope. But I think that one of the reasons, the disconnect, is because of the fact that the Word of Faith movement, whether it meant to or not, and I'm sure it didn't, because these were well-intending people. I don't doubt that. But the way that it was conveyed essentially had us place our hope in natural things changing. That's the whole reason why you've got faith, is to change your world and make it more livable. That's really, I mean, if we're honest and we go back and look at what we were being told, it was use faith to manipulate your life so it's more cushy and nice for you. Which meant my hope was in this natural world. And I'm using my faith to change this natural world so that I can feel good about my life. And all while, God's saying, your hope should not be in this life. So they're not compatible messages. No, and so when, when your faith isn't working, yeah, and it's not going somehow to. or another, mm-hmm. it is your fault mm-hmm. because you don't have enough faith. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, yeah, and, so and, that, and that has a tendency to turn it into a, a work program where you're always running the hamster wheel and never get anywhere. Yeah. Your hope was in your hope rather than the hope. Yeah. All capital letters. And so that so this whole transition has been and one of the reasons why it fail has uh, it the message I don't think is the thing I don't think that fails. I think what fails is our expectation. If our hope is in this life, well then for a child of God we got every reason for despair. You know what I mean? Because your faith is not going to necessarily change this world um, and your circumstances. It might sometimes, but you know, we have enough examples in the Bible where um, where it did and an equal amount where it didn't change natural circumstances. So it can't be the natural circumstances the issue. The issue is I'm placing my trust in him. Alright? And so uh, that's one of the reasons why just one of the simple tweaks that we began to do was we were just asking God for Perfect weather, rather than trying to dictate what that meant, you know. And uh, that might be overthinking it, because sometimes it's pretty obvious what perfect weather would be. Um, we don't want it raining, obviously, you know, whatever, you know what I mean? But, but, but pressing that issue was just a way of visualizing that, you know, we can't just let God do his thing. We've always got to tell him how to do it, you know. And that was something we needed to pull away from. But, you know, I think that, I agree with Terry, I think that to some degree or another, in our group, we went from people who were always expecting and always hoping to kind of throwing up our hands and like, well, you know, I guess that's taken away from me, so there's nothing left. But yeah, there is. It's 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 just that your your hope is no longer going to be in stuff. It's in him, and then you're going to find the opposite of what Nancy was saying earlier. The frustration of my faith isn't working. You'll find it actually does work. And the reason why is because you're putting it in him rather than for a thing. 
And it's in something that he can back. Because remember, he said, whatever you ask in my name, which means representing all that I am, not representing all that you want. Right? Whatever you ask in my name, representing me and representing my kingdom, you will get it. I mean, that's real clear. There's no, there's no back door. He's not giving himself a back door. You will get it. Well, if you're not getting it, there's only two things that can be going on. Either you're asking something that's not supportive of his kingdom, or you really don't believe. Those are the only two equations in the entire statement. So am I, is what I'm wanting something that represents and furthers his kingdom, or am I really trusting it? Those are the only two things that are in that verse. So, um, you know, so yeah, the, the life of faith works, and it definitely has great hope. But, you know, I think maybe one thing that might help if you find yourself in that dilemma is go back to the New Testament and look at what it was that Paul and the other apostles said that our hope is in. And I think you'll be, you, you probably won't be at this point, but you could be surprised that it was never in stuff or circumstances or things. Um, and, uh, and I think that once we reorient ourselves to what the gospel actually does say, we'll find, hey, wow, this faith thing really does work. But it has to be, you know, furthering his kingdom. What's it about? What am I believing him concerning? So, uh, but it, yeah, I think that that's had a, a deterious and callousing effect on people's hearts because we went from people who were always expecting to people who just weren't expecting anything. And when you don't expect anything, you're just like you're in the mully rubs. And that, that comes across in your walk and in your faith and everything else. Yes. Well, it's strange. Yeah. 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 And that's human nature. We have a tendency to just be, whoa, over here and squirrel over there and never right in the middle where we need to be. And uh, But we do have great hope. Um, and we have great reason for trust. And, and again, I think it's something that we'll find ourselves doing. Uh, uh, that's one of the things I taught probably uh, 10, 12 years ago when we first changed here was faith comes. Taught a whole series on faith comes. And not, not faith is built up, not faith is worked for, not faith is if I memorize my scriptures enough, faith will uh, somehow miraculously show up, but faith just comes. It just happens. I don't have to work at trusting Stephen. A relationship has done that. It just happened. Faith just came. Right? Does that make sense? I mean, same thing with God. Faith just happens. If you hang around with them long enough, trust will be a result. Well, what was that, Terry? Well, just the example of that, I was just thinking that before you said it, was that that's how it kind of started stirring back up at me again, was just in renewing aspects of my relationship with the Lord and, and trying to reconnect even more with Him in places, it just began to stir. Like, God, I know you're big enough. Why don't I trust you? You know, yeah. and I just began to realize how much I I was I would worry about this rather than remembering, hey, I'm over here, trust me. You know, and, and it was it, it was a relational thing, but again it was connecting with him. The more I'm realizing him, the more I'm remembering who he is, the more I'm thinking, why don't I trust him? Yeah. You know, why he knows this is happening, he knows how to deal with this, he knows what's going on. Why don't I trust that he's dealing with this? Yeah, and it's a valid question. I mean, it's one that Jesus himself asked. Mm -hmm. You know, the world worries about this kind of stuff. <clears throat> I mean, what, isn't that what he said? 
Why, why are you worrying about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, where are you, where are you going to live? The world worries about that kind of stuff. Don't you know your dad loves you and he's fully aware of these things? You just seek first the kingdom of God and all this other stuff will just happen. All right? But we want to focus on I'm believing you for instead of having my focus on the kingdom. Yeah. And my right standing in that kingdom and just finding that Papa takes care of those other things. All right? And, and that's the way love works. I spend myself on him. He spends himself on me. But both of us can't spend themselves on me. <laughs> so, uh, uh, in, any other any other thoughts? We're we're wrapping things. That we're closing things down here I because it's getting close. Ask Pam. We want to make sure if you have some thoughts, please share. Yes. Uh, no, I'm good. Thank you. Okay. What about you, Vivian? Um. So, is it a lack of trust? Do you think if, um, let's say a person has reached a point where they're realizing their actions aren't furthering the kingdom? So, I'm sorry. It's all right, honey, no. No need to apologize. So they're asking God to empty themselves of themselves. Because you know God's the answer. You know, he's the one that has to change your heart or change your ways. Yeah. And you're trying not to take control of it, and you're trying to leave it in his hands. Thank you. But um, it's just not working. <laughs> so then the enemy's there telling you, see, God doesn't care about you, or he doesn't love you because... You know, if he did, he'd be able to change you like you've heard him has changed so many other hearts. And you're wondering, is this because I just don't trust him enough? Uh, that's probably part of it. But that's not a, again, don't let the enemy turn that into a condemning statement. Trust is something for some of us that doesn't come easy. You know, hey, and I, I've known you for a lot of years, and trust has been a, a difficult thing for you with people. And so, therefore, that's a training in your soul. You can't isolate your soul and say, well, I just, I trust God, but I don't trust people. And if you, if you get a habit of not trusting, it's it's pervasive. So, but the, the fact that it's on your radar, and you are concerned about it, and you're pressing towards them, and you're asking the hard-to-ask questions with ears that are open to hear the hard-to-hear answers, you're well on your way already if you don't feel like it. That's not the in Those aren't indicators of a hardened heart, Vivian. Maybe, uh, I remember just yesterday, I guess it was, maybe that's why I saw that video. I'm not a big John Piper fan, or MacArthur, I guess it is, John MacArthur. I'm not a big John MacArthur fan myself, theologically, for reasons. But... He showed up on the sidebar on, on, on YouTube when I was looking up something I did need to see. And uh, uh, a lady, in, I guess in his church, uh, was just broken. And part of it is because of the theology of that particular uh, branch of evangelicalism. She was asking, you know, how do I know that, you know, I'm born again? If this, because she, if she was going with all the things she'd heard, but then she still has 
ungodly thoughts and blasphemous thoughts and this, that, and the other thing. And her life isn't lining up with the things that she knows it ought to and blah, 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 blah. And she just, you know, and based on the teaching that is part of that part of evangelicalism, the idea is that God has only marked out certain people to be saved. He gives, he's given grace to certain people. The rest of them are all just all going to hell, which is a terrible doctrine. And they do that based on a misunderstanding of God's sovereignty. They believe that because God is sovereign, he's marked out some people to be saved, and they really don't, they really don't even have a choice. They're going to be saved whether they want it to be or not. They're going to respond because God put his mark on them. And she and she's like, you know, well, then how do I know that I am? Because I'm feeling all these other things. And I've got this. And I've got that. And she's just feeling so defeated. And he gave much to his credit. Gave credit. Gave an, a wonderful answer. Much unexpected. I got to tell you. Um, I don't know that he realizes that his answer really didn't line up with his theology. But uh, it was a very good answer. And one of the, the, the things that he was talking about, he told her immediately was, he said, her name, ironically, was Joy. Um, and so he was able to play on that throughout his little um, dissertation with her. He did a great job as a shepherd. He really did. Um, and he just told her, he said, you know, it's hard to live up to that name of yours, you know. And uh, he said, but uh, the truth is, he said, if those things are going inside of your heart, those are not the kind of things that go on inside of the heart of an unbeliever. Mm -hmm. Those are the kinds that go inside of a heart that the Spirit of God is, is working on, is revealing, or you wouldn't care. And uh, so there's that. The fact that there's a stirring and a desiring is evident token that you don't have a hardened heart. He is working in there. Is it going to take a little bit of time? Yeah. Especially if your, your threshold for trusting has been brought pretty low through life experiences. That doesn't make an excuse for it. I'm just saying that it makes, it, it's, it gives grounds for understanding. Does that make sense to you? And it takes repeated exposure, kind of like what Nancy was saying earlier. Hearing it and hearing it and hearing it. And not just hearing this way, but you know what I mean. Connecting with it relationally. Connecting with it in an encounter with God. Crying out for it regularly. And yeah, you, might re you may not see it because you're so close. But other people on the outside can see. I got to tell you, since you've been here, you're not the same person you were that I talked to in the front room when you first came here to the church a number of years back, you and I sat down in the Avon room up here. You, I don't know if you remember. You and I talked. And uh, and one of the first thing I addressed was a trust issue because I told you, I said, you need to know, I don't, I'm not going to chase you. Do you remember me telling you that? I'm not going to chase you. If you don't show up, you don't show up. After three or four weeks, I'll probably give you a call, but I'm not going to be hounding you every day. Number one, because that would irritate me. Where you know, pastors that did that kind of mess to me, I made me want to not come back. Mm -hmm. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna chase you. You're just gonna have to trust that I love you and that uh, that I care about you and it's gonna show up, but it's not gonna always show up when you want it to, you know? And I could I felt very compelled to say that when I said it. And and, and I, I, I know it, it, it met with acceptance with you, but at the same time there was something in you I think that wasn't real happy to listen to that. But from that day to this, there has been a huge difference in your trust level. Not only with, with people, but I believe with God. It may not be where you want it to be, and that's probably healthy. Because none of us is it where it should be. I, I like one translation of the Bible that says we're satisfied with a dissatisfied satisfaction. 
you know. Uh, I'm grateful that I am where I am because it's the grace of God that brought me even this far. But I'm dissatisfied because I'd like to be a lot further than I know I could be if I'd responded better. That kind of satisfaction. I would, uh, you need to take a little bit of solace in the fact that people on the outside of the forest looking in see change. And I'm not saying that to make you feel better. I'd have found some other answer if it wasn't true. Uh, I don't, I'm not in the habit of telling people lies just because it makes them feel better. There has been a change in you. A good change that's obvious. I understand it's not what you wish had already happened. You wish it'd be more. And I'm suggesting to you that that might be a good thing. It's, it's a good thing that your heart isn't quite satisfied where you are yet. That you long to love him more, respond, and trust more. That's a good thing. Just don't let it cripple you. Allow it to be the voice of the Holy Spirit and not the voice of the enemy. Because the same words can encourage or condemn. Right? And it's supposed to encourage. Go ahead. You one, have something. one quick statement. Is I think God has more faith in you Mm -hmm. than you have right now. Yeah. Yeah. He knows He knows that you're going to get through this. Yeah. He knows the end concerning <laughs> Vivian. He knows the end concerning Vivian. You, you make it, and you make it to the end in his image. He knows that. He's not worried about you. I'm not saying you don't frustrate him sometimes. I frustrate him. <laughs> but you know he uh, I mean how many times did he tell the disciples how long am I going to have to put up with you but never did he tell them get away from me because, and one of the reasons is because as, as bumbling as they were they stuck around you know I mean I, I bring it up a lot but I think it's because it, it fits our human condition he was dealing with people that it wasn't that they didn't necessarily want to go it's just that they were like where would we go I know that you are the fountain of life, and I can't go anywhere but you. I'm committed. Sometimes I feel like I need to be committed, but I am committed, you know? And, uh, you know, Peter turned around. It took a lot of years, but he eventually became the Peter we all read about and admire. But it didn't start off that way, you know? It took a lot. Some of the encounters that Peter had to endure were hard ones, Vivian. And, and Jesus wasn't always, because he, Jesus believes in the family more than we do. Which is why he had no problem reprimanding Peter right in front of all the disciples. He didn't pull him aside. He said it right there. And I called him on the carpet, do you really love me? Because if you love me, you'd be more concerned about feeding my sheep than about, you know, whether or not, you know, John is going to die, you know, a martyr's death or whatever, you know. Your attention be more on me. And that was a hard conversation to have. And, and this was coming at the rebound uh, after having denied him. And he was essentially addressing that denial right in front of everybody. It just seems like sometimes the more I call out to God or try to rely on him, it's like my flesh goes so backwards. <laughs> yeah. Rather than forward. <laughs> you would think you know, if you've reached a certain point, that you should at least be able to maintain that, even if you're not going to grow in the way that you feel you should grow, you would think you would at least be able to maintain. Mm -hmm. But it just seems like under certain circumstances, it just seems like lately I just feel like I'm finding myself falling backwards. 
Yeah. Do you, would you say that's been that has been consistent throughout the last several years, or would you say that's been more something that's been happening more recently? Recently. Okay. It's also possible that part of it might be um, lacking the encouragement of being around other brothers and sisters, which is one of the reasons why the scriptures were clear about not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, which is why I want to press so hard that we just start doing this again. So, um, you know, but take courage. I mean, if you feel like you need to talk with me more, I'm more than happy to for one-on-one. We are at our, the end of our time now, and I want to honor that. So, uh, so if you want to talk later, I'm happy to talk with you more. Um, but I do want you to be encouraged that other people looking on the outside in, we do see change. But uh, I honestly mean that before Jesus, God is my witness. All right, let's go ahead and close in prayer. Grace. 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 Grace.